Welcome to the Center Point Pentecostal Church Podcast. We hope that this podcast finds you well and that you are ready for a life-changing message from one of our outstanding and anointed ministers. If you like this podcast, please be sure to give us a follow and a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app. Now let's get to today's message. I believe that my my sermon tonight is just going to tie right into what Pastor was preaching about this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 4. Then we're going to go to Proverbs 17 and verse 17. Thank you to the praise team and Sister Melissa for being mindful of the Holy Ghost and following after the leading of the Spirit and ushering us into the presence of the Lord through worship. Amen. I wouldn't want to have to preach without somebody getting uh, the mind of God for the service. Amen. Genesis chapter 4 and verses 8 through 10. And Cain talked with Abel his brother and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him there. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. And this next phrase that Cain spills from his lips troubles me. Am I my brother's keeper? And God said unto him, What is it that you have done? The voice of your brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Now let's turn quickly to the book of Proverbs chapter 17. One verse there, verse number 17. We all love the first part of this verse. It reads, a friend loveth at all times. How many has ever read that verse before? A friend loveth at all times. But the second portion of this verse is where I really want to draw your attention and it says and a brother is born for adversity a brother is born for adversity why don't we just lift up our voices to the Lord just for a moment God we just love you tonight we thank you Lord for your presence here today I believe you've given me a word today God and I pray that before this service is over that somebody would come to you today surrender their lives to you I just pray the Holy Ghost would move and minister in the name of Jesus come on why don't we just love him just for a moment hallelujah lift up your voices unto the Lord and thank him today hallelujah why don't we give him amen one more praise offering hallelujah amen amen you may be seated two brothers that were farmers John and his younger brother Joshua they were farmers they lived right next to one another their properties joined one another their father was in fact a farmer and his father also was a farmer they literally shared everything tools tractors equipment labor even harvest Times were good. Then it seemed that out of nowhere, trouble came along. One small misunderstanding turned into a heated argument that turned into a huge fight 
that turned into two brothers vowing never to speak again. Days passed, weeks turned into months, and then one Saturday morning, John woke to hear the sound of bulldozers in the meadow that separated their yards. His younger brother had hired a crew of dirt movers and bulldozers was transforming what was once a beautiful meadow into a deep gorge canyon that formed a river that separated to two brothers that they could never cross. Then one day an elderly carpenter knocked on John's door looking for some extra work. John said, I believe I've got a, couple, a little job for you to do. He said, you see over there that river? You see my brother lives over there. And he said, we got into a huge fight and now he has built this river, this big ugly canyon between us and it was once a nice beautiful pasture. So what I want you to do is, I've got some lumber that I bought to build a new barn. He said, I think I've got enough lumber over there. I want you to build a wall so that I don't even have to look out my window and see my brother's property. He showed the old man the lumber stack, then he headed into town. The carpenter, old as he was, began sawing, cutting, hammering, and nailing until all the boards were done and he was finished with his job. Late that evening when the brother returned, seeing what the old carpenter had built, instead of a wall, he had built a bridge across the river. Joshua, the younger brother, observing from the other side, thought that this was John's intention. When the other brothers saw him, they both ran towards one another and met in the middle of the bridge with tears streaming down their faces and they embraced one another. The younger brother said to the older brother, I can't imagine how you could have done this knowing how I have treated you. All was forgiven. John turned to the carpenter and he said, Sir, with a smile on his face, he said, I've got several other projects that I need you to do for me if you have the time. The old man with a grin threw his tool belt over his shoulder and said, No, son. He said, I've got several more bridges to build. Let me tell you something. It's time for the church to quit building walls of division between us and our brothers and our sisters. And we need to start mending relationships and start building bridges. Mm, mm, mm. Living for God does not guarantee you a trouble-free life. I can look out across this congregation, past a microphone in between every pew and up and down every aisle and visit every person and you would tell a story about how you have had troubled days. It's not a bed of roses living for God. It's not a life on top of the mountain. 
It's not a life living among the clouds, but instead, it's just the opposite. The book of Job 14 and verse 1 says that man born of a woman is only a few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower, but then he is cut down. Just when you think your life is budding, here comes trouble. Just when you think you're going to flourish, here comes a bad day. I've raised, I've raised a garden several years. And one of my biggest tomatoes that I ever had, I was so proud of that tomato. I would get out in the morning and go make sure it was still there. Just about when I thought it was ready to pick, some grub worm, some varmint wants to come and sink his nasty teeth into my nice tomato right when I think it's about to flourish. Let me tell you something. That's the way life is. Just when you think you're about to get ahead, here comes the devil sitting on the pew next to you and tells you, you're not going to make it. You're not going to see tomorrow. Oh, I feel like preaching here tonight. Amen. I am my brother's keeper. Hmm. We have days filled with laughter and then there's tears. Ecclesiastes 3 tells it best. There's a time for mourning. There's a time for laughing. There's a time for living. There's a time for dying. There's a time to plant. Then there's a time to pluck up that that which was planted. Let me tell you something. It's not always going to be easy living for God. There's going to be days of pain. There's going to be days of laughter. There's going to be days of tears. There's going to be sunshine days. And then there's going to be some rainy days. They say that since 2020 and COVID-19 and the pandemic hit that suicide rates has nearly doubled in the United States. Depression has went to an all, all high. Anxiety, fear, depression, angst, and, and pain medications, and anxiety medications, and antidepressant medications have doubled and tripled. You know why? Because the world doesn't have hope. They don't have a brother to lift them up. There's a spirit of the world of Cain that says, I'm going to kill my brother. For every good day, there's a bad day. Days of hopelessness when life seems too hard to bear. Despair, fear, anxiety, doubt, thoughts of losing out, throwing in the towel, leaving church, backsliding, giving up, never coming back. These are thoughts that has been in my mind. Some of you under the sound of my voice are hurting you have pain so great in your heart. Amen. Behind the smile that's on your face, masked behind, amen, a smile is fear, is pain, is heartache, is suffering, is depression. Let me tell you something. The Bible says in the book of John chapter 10 and verse 10 that the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I'll tell you what my pain does. My pain testifies not of my failure. My hurting doesn't testify of my failure. It testifies of Satan's failure. You know why? It's because he intended to kill me. 
Oh, you're not hearing me tonight. I said the devil tried to kill you, and instead, he only injured you. He tried to take you out, but you're still here. Some of you need to tell the devil, I'm still here. I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. Some of you, Brother Sonny, stand up, Brother Sonny. This man right here came up this morning and gave his testimony and I knew, I knew it was confirmation from the Lord what to preach tonight. You know why? He come up here and you know what he said? He said, I was ready to take my life. Is that what you said? I was ready to throw in the towel. But you know what happened? There was a friend that sticketh closer than a brother that called him up and said, guess what? You don't have to do it. You can come eat a hamburger with me. I'm just paraphrasing. That's not exactly how it happened. But I'll tell you this. Brother Sonny wouldn't be here tonight had it not been for somebody without the spirit of Cain saying, I'm going to kill my brother. No, no. I'm going to lift my brother up. Your pain is a testimony that the devil's a failure. Your pain is a testimony that hell is a failure. Read for me 2 Corinthians 4 and verse number 8. I could quote it, but I want you to read it. We're troubled on every side. Give the man a mic. Number two. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. All right, stop. We're troubled on every side, but we're not in distress. I'm still here. Read. We are perplexed, but not in despair. I'm hurting, but I'm still here. Read. Persecuted. I'm persecuted. You see, you thought you killed me, devil, but what? But not forsaken. But I'm not forsaken. I might have buried loved ones, but I'm still here. I might have fought the devil, but I'm still here. Read. Cast down, but not destroyed. I'm hurting, but I'm still here. Go down to 16. For which cause we faint not. Why do we not faint not, Brother Sonny? Because this is why. But though our outward... Though the outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. Go on for our light afflictions, which is but for a moment, worketh for us far more and exceeding an eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are only temporal. What's the rest of it say? But the things which are not seen. For the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What Paul is saying is, though the outward man perish, I thought about Job today as I was studying. The devil tried to take everything that he could from Job. He hit him with pain. He hit him with suffering. He hit him with his family. Worse than that, he hit him with marital problems. His own wife looked at him and said, you're a fool. You need to curse God and die. You know what Job said? Job said, naked I came into this world and naked I'm going to leave. 
I didn't have nothing when I came. I'm not gonna have anything when I leave. You see, devil, you can kill me, but you can't eat me. I still got a promise, and I'm still gonna make it. You might have tried to take me out, but I'm still here. You need to look around at somebody here tonight and tell them I'm still here. You read, if you read the Old Testament, the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 4, there's a young man born. His name is among the names of lists that you would never name your son. Just to mention of the name Ichabod brings a dark cloud of shame, of past failures, past regrets, when the Spirit of the Lord departs from Israel. 1 Samuel 4, he is born to an unnamed woman on her dying bed. She laments Ichabod. As she dies, his name simply means no glory. Ichabod doesn't even make it into our Sunday school books. You never hear about him in a Sunday school lesson. It's because nobody has time for no glory. For the most part, we wish that his name was not even in scripture. You see, on the day that he was born, several things happened. Number one, his mother dies. Number two, his father, Phineas and his uncle, Hophni, were killed in battle. They were the sons of the priests of God of the tabernacle, Eli. They were in battle with the Philistines, and they were doing bad things against God and against the things of God. And as they go out into battle, these two decide that they're going to take the presence of God outside the temple and bring it into the battle. That day, between two battles, 34,000 men lost their lives. Ichabod is born at the passing of his mother, the death of his father, the death of his uncle, and the death of his grandfather. When they named him Ichabod, it simply means the glory of God hath departed. In other words, no glory. Can you imagine a name like no glory? Now I know some of you today probably, Brother Herman, you probably don't even know what Herman means. Most of us don't even know what our names mean today because names today are not significant by their meaning. But in the old days, in the Bible days, Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter, which means a rock because Jesus wanted Peter to preach on the rock of salvation. He changed Abram's name to Abraham, which means father of many nations. He changed, amen, Jacob's name to Israel because he was a prince with God. But this man's name was no glory. Can you imagine when they gave roll call at school, no glory. Everybody looked down on him. 
His first day at work, no glory. Nobody wanted to talk to him. Nobody wanted to pick him on the basketball team. Nobody wanted to have anything to do with him. It wasn't his fault. It wasn't something that he'd done. It was just something, a label that was put on him. Every time they looked at no glory, they thought about the presence of God departing. It wasn't bad enough that 34,000 men died. His father, Phineas, died. His uncle, Hophni, dies. His grandfather, Eli, dies. And his mother, who has no name, dies. But then to top it off, the enemy takes the only God that he would ever worship and hauls it back to the Philistine camp. Friend, let me tell you something. It looked like devastation. It looked like there was nothing but shame in no glory's life. It wasn't until just recently that I stumbled upon this news, this revelation found, if you'll pull it up and put it on the screen, the book of 1 Samuel chapter 14 and verses 2 and 3. You see, God always devises means that we're not labeled a loser found in 1 Samuel 14 and Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree which is in Migron and there the people were with him were about 600 men and Ahi the son of Ahitub Ichabod's brother the son of Phinehas the son of Eli the Lord's priest in Shiloh so Ichabod has a brother. His brother has to be an older brother because Ichabod's mother died at birth. So no glory has a brother. And this is going to make you shout and run the aisles. Do you know what Aetub means? I looked it up several different ways just to prove that I was not mistaken. Aetub, Ichabod's older brother, means my brother is good. Every time somebody pointed their finger at him and said, no glory, Aetub said, my brother is good. Every time the devil points at you and says, Roger, you have a past. You have a something in your past. There's a brother that's going to lift you up and say, my brother's good. Sonny, every time you feel like throwing in the towel and the devil tells you your past is too big, there's a brother here that lifts you up and says, my brother's good. You know why? Because I am my brother's keeper. How ironic is it that no glory's brother is? My brother's good. Mm -hmm. Before Ichabod was conceived, <laughs> he had a brother. Before heartache, devastation, before your painful past, your failures, your regrets, before you ever committed the sin that makes you labeled who you are, God already had somebody that says, my brother is good or my sister is good. When your past tells you you're not good enough, there's a brother that says, my brother's good. When the devil tells you you're a failure, you have a brother that lifts you up and says, my brother's good. I wouldn't be here today had not somebody lifted me up and said, you can make it. You can make it. You can live to fight another. Another day. 
This is not in my notes. Genesis chapter 6. Genesis 6 and 1. You see, four chapters into the Bible, our text tells just four chapters. Four chapters in the Bible. Cain rises up in anger and kills his brother. Notice what Genesis 6 and 1 says. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth. Read on down where it says, And the hearts of men were always continuously wicked. Maybe a couple of verses down. You see it? And, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Listen to this. God and saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Six chapters into the Bible. Six chapters after perfection. Six chapters after a good marriage in the garden. Two brothers getting along in harmony. Four chapters, we have murder. Two chapters later, God takes note and sees. What does he see? That every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's a lot of stuff. He didn't just say, Roger, every now and then people got some bad thoughts. He said every thought, every imagination was always continuously evil. How would you like to live with a woman? When you come home from work, <laughs> I know you might think it's bad, but how would you like to come home from work to a wife that was continuously thinking of evil and her imagination I would hide the guns. How would you like to come home to a husband or have a husband that his thoughts and his imaginations was constantly, continuously evil? God noticed it. This is why, amen, we have to, we have to lift one another up. Friend, let me tell you something. If you're gonna make it to heaven, I know you gotta have the Holy Ghost. I know you gotta have a preacher, but I believe, I believe that it goes a step further. You have to have a brother. You have to have a sister. You have to have somebody that's gonna encourage you when you're down on your lowest limb that picks up the phone when you're about to put an end to it all and say, Sonny, you've got a reason to live. Some of you, the devil told today that you need to take your life, but you're here tonight in this service. You know why? Because you're not a failure. He's a failure. You're here. There's a brother here to lift you up. Your past might tell you that there's no glory left, but friend, let me tell you something. There's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. His name is Jesus. He's here to lift you up. may be seated Cain was a taker not a giver takers are never remembered only givers you notice in Genesis 4 two men's life are summarized by what they gave by what they gave we are never more like Jesus when we love like him Forgive like him and lift one another up like he does. And we're never more like Satan 
when we tear one another down, destroy one another, accuse, judge, and refuse to forgive one another. The Bible says in Galatians 6 and 2, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know why? I can't bear my burdens by myself. I have to help you. You have to help me. I'm stronger when we're together. I can't live for God by myself. I've got to have a brother or a sister that says you can make it. John 13, 35, it says, By this shall you know that men know that you're my disciples, that you have love one for another. There was a man, a lawyer that came to Jesus in, in Matthew 22, tempted and saying, which is the greatest commandments of all. Jesus said unto him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, and on these two commandments hang all the laws of the prophets. It's not good enough just to love Jesus. We've got to love others. Jesus said salvation literally hangs on how much you love your neighbor. First John 4, 20, if any man say I love God and hated his brother, he's a liar. He loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God who he has not seen? And this commandment I have given to you that he loved God, he also loves his brother. Let me tell you something. I pray tonight that God would give me a love for my brother. Brother Reef, I want to pick you up when, when you're falling. I don't want to post bad things about you on Facebook. I want to put a, a news post that says my brother's good. I'm closing. I, I remember years ago, we were preaching in California. My parents were. I was just a kid. I was learning to play the, play the drums. And, and while we were there, we were preaching for the prices. I'll never forget. It wasn't far from the Golden Gate Bridge in uh, San Francisco. We made a couple-hour journey, and my parents wanted to see the Sequoia National Redwood Forest. Now, I remember, if you've never been, how many has ever seen the Redwoods? It's magnificent. You, you, you can look at it on National Geographic. You can Google it. You can look at it on YouTube. It doesn't do justice. My dad had a 1979 F-250, and I remember just like it was yesterday, they had one of these trees standing up, and they had a section of it hollowed out, and my dad drove through that tree. I'll never forget it. There is a tree in that national park. It is the largest single stem tree in the world. This redwood is named General Sherman. I can still remember this tree. Over 275 feet tall, 36 feet across the base, 102 feet in circumference around the tree. At 60 feet in the air, which is above most trees, it still is 17 feet across. This is one large tree. 
They say there's an estimated 630,000 board feet of lumber in this tree. To give you an idea, a 2,000 square foot home would have 13,000 board feet of lumber if it was built out of wood. That's enough to build 48 homes in one tree. What are you trying to say, Brother Francois? General Sherman is estimated to be between 2,100 and 2,300 years old. How in the world did such a big tree live so long. You see, I know a little bit about trees. I've preached about trees and we've talked about trees and I know enough to know that a lot of trees, when you look at what's above the ground, there's just as much of that tree in a root system that goes below the ground. So in preparing for this sermon tonight, I want Cooper, I want you and Milo, Easton, And Jackson, y'all come up here and help me. Y'all come help Brother Francois just for a minute. <clears throat> I want y'all just to line up across the front right here and face the crowd. Just line up. That's, that's what I want y'all to do. How does these 300-foot trees stand? Most average trees in nature, for the most part, their root systems go down as far above the ground, below the ground as there is above the ground. But not is the case with the redwood tree. Studies show that their root system goes down an average of 36 inches. 36 inches. How can a 276 foot tall tree survive with only three feet? of roots that grow down into the ground. You see, the amazing thing about it is, is though the roots don't grow down, they grow out just as far as the roots, as the tree is tall, and it interlocks with the next tree. I want you boys to come stand out here. Come stand right out here. All right, I want y'all to interlock your arms together. Interlock y'all's arms together. So you see these trees in this forest. Y'all face, y'all face your daddy, uh, Jackson. He wants to take a picture of y'all. We're fixing to have just a little bit of church. So you see these trees are 300 feet tall. You would think that just a little wind would push them over, but you don't understand what's happening here. These trees' roots grow 300 feet in diameter, which locks onto the next tree, that locks onto the next tree, that locks onto the next tree. What are you trying to say? I'm saying when the storm comes. It's not just blowing on one tree, it's blowing on the entire forest. So devil, when you come blowing the storm against me, I'm not standing by myself. I've got a brother that wraps his arms around me and says, you're not in this battle by yourself. I could take any one of those boys and push them over. But with them four locked together like that, I'm not just pushing on one of them. I'm pushing on four of them. And they're stronger if they're locked in together. Let me tell you something. We need to interlock one another. And build one another up. Let's stand. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it changes and impacts your life for days to come. If you would like to connect with us further, give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash Centerpoint Pentecostal Church. Or just search Centerpoint Pentecostal Church on Facebook. 
If you would like to join one of our services in person, the service times and address are in the podcast description. Thank you and God bless, and we hope to see you on the next episode.